Today, I'm joined by Tim Cato, the athletic friend of the pod, friend in real life, friend of everyone of the Mavs, including Bob Valgaris. But today, we're going to talk about the Mavs uh, preseason training camp, everything. Get all of Tim's uh, insight and knowledge coming up next. And this is Locked On Mavericks don't believe you shouldn't be here welcome to locked on mavs this one of your co-host isaac harris ridermavs.com coast of the pod joined by friend of the pod and like i said at the beginning friend in real life you've been covering the mavs it feels like forever now um tim cato the athletic uh too long some might argue (laughs) but um as I as I heard a sneak peek of the cold open, uh, I I am indeed a friend to everyone. I can't speak for whether people are friends of me, but um, I like making friends. Friends are good. I would say objectively, yeah. friends. It's 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 one of the good things we have. I feel like the last time was the last time I seen you in person when we did the event for our friend Charks and McKinney because it feels like a while. Ago. That was like pre-vacation for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. I think that's probably probably the last time um, because now now at Mavs games you know we've talked a little bit on the spot it's kind of weird there's you know kind of two four two groups of media there's tier one tier two Tim's in one of is in tier one which is this like elite class of you know what 10 12 people somewhere through there and uh, you're actually number, in, honestly <laughs> yeah well, yeah and you're you're there uh, on you could be on the floor before the game I think in the actual press conferences and all of that. So, uh, yeah. So I, I want to bring Tim on. Tim's gracious enough to hop on uh, to talk about just the Mavs preseason and everything. But before the Mavs, I just want to get all of this out real quick. Ben Simmons, your colleague, Shams, tweeted out today. Got, you know, all the whole is Ben Simmons. It looks like he might be coming back. What have you heard about it? What are your thoughts about this? This seems like a train wreck, in my opinion. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it. I haven't really been asking. I've been catching up more than trying to dive into other situations around the league. I I, I think that from what I have seen and what what I have consumed, um, obviously, you know, Sham tweets right to my phones because we've all got him on, uh, on text alerts. It, it does seem like there's a whole lot of posturing going on from every single side. I did. I did really enjoy the uh, the Philly beat writer who drove to um, Ben Simmons' house to <laughs> take house. a photo of of the for sale sign outside of it. So, just in case anybody thought that was only a a PR stunt or something, I guess we have that confirmed now. Um, but yeah, besides that, it, it just it it, see, it does seem like a classic NBA story and just the way that um, player movement has increased over the past 10 years. And it, it, it felt like even from the very start, this was, you know, with, with Simmons, very aggressive, I'm not returning posturing that this was going to be a test case in how far those limits actually go. Like, and, and I would say that over the past five to 10 years, we've had multiple test test cases and almost every time it pushes the boundaries a little bit further. And maybe at least right now, as things exist, you know, at least in the context of the NBA in 2021, 
this might be where the boundaries end. It doesn't mean that they may not expand in coming years. It, it, it certainly does not mean that Simmons won't be traded at some point this year. But if he does report to the Sixers once again, and they have to do all of that work to say, oh, I actually, you know, he actually wanted to be here the entire time. We actually wanted him back. Mm-hmm. If all of those things, if, if that's the direction it seems to be headed, um, I, I think it's a, a clear case study in, in the boundaries and limitations of player movement. And, and Ben might be really the first superstar in the past five-ish years to push past where those boundaries were as, as, they've, as they've been clearly you know, ever expanding. If you had to throw a team out there to end the season, Ben Simmons in, ends the season with blank. Oh, man. You love these questions, don't you? I love these questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I hate making predictions because I know that they always live somewhere. And so oh, there that's, are always that's people, very if they have enough time, they can, <laughs> they can hunt them down. They'll find them. Uh, man, I, I mean, it. not Philly. Like, it... it yeah. I, but I also don't think it's a zero percent chance. Like it's, it's not that, you know. I just don't think that that uh, that Philadelphia trades a player like that if they don't think they're getting back the right amount of value. It's 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 a catastrophic blow to the team if you trade a, and and I'm going to talk very briefly in like terms of value, and and I don't like doing that in generally, but I think this is a very specific situation where it's right to talk value and player value uh if you lose a player of that level and the value that he has when you signed him to the max contract and you lose him well under that value it's it's a it's a huge step back and you know it's it's the it's the same idea why you know if if a if a tanking team doesn't like uh a certain draft class they will just trade their pick they will trade down there's no point wasting the value of a first round or a, or a very high first round pick if you're not convinced that when you actually cash in that value that the that the process prospect that you're going to get back um is is going to live up to you know whatever future value first round picks can hold and will continue to hold because you know they always kind of exist in a in a purgatory until you actually use them to pick a player and i think the similar value proposition exists for, for Simmons in Philadelphia. And I don't think that they're very incentivized to trade him for anything less than what they feel is, is correct and appropriate for their team moving forward. I'm just so intrigued with how players, how the fans, if, if he ever suits up for them or it's going to be a, Hey, you can just hang out at home for a bit until we figure something out. Uh, I'm just, I'm curious how I'm almost tired of it. I'm almost tired of all the, all the updates that are kind of updates, but kind of not, and all of that. But, okay, let's transition to Mavs. You're going to practices. You're going to games, everything. You put out, uh, I think it might have been right after media day or right before the first preseason game, you put out kind of like notes and observations from practice and camp and everything. I really enjoyed it. I loved even like the the behind-the-scenes stuff of – because both you and myself, like we've both been waiting for like Rick Carlisle's practices to end. And it's like, all right, cool. An hour passed when, you know, the, the time that, you know, was given. And we just come in at the very end, players are shooting free throws. But you put in your athletic piece that Jason Kidd was letting some of you guys in before practice was up. So you've seen a little bit of practice, a little bit of scrimmages. You've been there. What are some like takeaways? 
I go read his go read Tim's piece from that. I know I think it was last week, two weeks ago, maybe. But last week, what are yeah. just yeah, what are some takeaways you, you've gotten from being there in camp in person? Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely guilty of maybe even sometimes being desensitized to how many people would love the, you know, kind of an inside peek to practice. Um, you know, I try to see, you know, when Carlisle was coach and we were getting into practices at the very end, that became very like bland because it's the same thing you're seeing every time. And I, and I, yeah. you know, when something interesting did happen, I try to relay it, but, but in the context of that, getting into practice, even five minutes earlier, even if you're not, you're not, look, we're not learning, you know, the media members that are invited in just shortly before the, the time period where we would have been invited in under Carlisle, we're not fundamentally learning anything different. But it, it did kind of jar that that desensitization, whatever it is. It's it's one of those words with a lot of a lot of uh, syllables that you gotta you gotta fit in there. Yeah. But but it, it was it was interesting to you know just see a little bit more of, of practice and see a little bit more of um, behind the scenes that we're not used to. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it was notable for me for that for that sense. Um, and and I think one of the takeaways that I that I put in the piece was it's just uh, fun, interesting, um, intriguing to see the um, competition, the level of competition, and the lo level of uh, you know temporary anger and frustration that players will have if they're subbing out of a scrimmage where they missed a couple of key shots or you know just made a mistake or whatever it is. I don't, I don't even know the context, but I yeah. um, I saw a player just like kick over a chair, and I saw certainly some frustrated players and this that happens every practice if we had been let let in under Carlisle, the same thing would have been happening um and, and you certainly see it uh in in other contexts where we do every once in a while get you know larger glimpses of of the behind the scenes whether it's a a shoot around that happens to you know like i'm on the road and there's a shoot around and it just opens a little bit earlier under Carlisle. like every once in a while i, I would see situations like that but but yeah, I thought I thought that's been interesting. Certainly, the the, the just the the competitiveness that everybody on the team has. Um, Luca complaining to uh, refs even in a practice scrimmage during training <laughs> camp. Um, that's amusing to me. You know, like I don't think it means anything. I don't think we need to take broader conclusions from it. I bet he will be better and more composed this year. He's certainly is aware of it and working on it, and so are the Mavericks. But that's a that's a funny you know anecdote to 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 relay after seeing it so all of that is just it's been interesting and it, it because it's just not something we're used to seeing certainly at least in dallas um and anytime we get a fresh look at you know how these guys actually play and 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 compete and you know really ramp up for being you know this this absurd job of being a professional athlete it's it's always cool and fun and, and a nice reminder that, you know, there's, there's so much more that, that goes into this, that, you know, we only see glimpses of, um, you know, as fans, as media members, as anybody who isn't directly with the team. Yeah. And you've gotten to see Tyson, man. Tyson's one of my favorite, Tyson's one of my favorite Mavs of, of I was actually time. trying to, I was, I was, I, I need to, I, I have a straight involving him. So I was about to grab him. He was walking down that, you know, that, that skinny little uh, hallway yeah. where they have us post up. Um, and, and kids going, so I'm trying to get close to him before I say something. I don't, I'm not going to shout at him because the, the press conference is still going on a little bit behind me. And right as I'm about to say something, he, he lifts up the phone. He's like, Hey, what's up? And I was like, Oh man. Okay. Oh, no. I'm not, obviously I'm not going to interrupt a phone call. And then he yeah. kind of disappears behind the side hall. So I'll have to, I'll have to grab him at a later point, but that's a good dude. That's a, that's a really good dude. Oh, love him. Love him. All right. We'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back with Tim talking about his uh, latest Q and a with Sterling Brown.
Guys, thank you so much for making Lockdown Mavs your first listen of the day. You have literally so many different options, podcasts, music, everything that you can listen to first thing in the morning. And so many of you guys listen to Lockdown Mavs as your first thing. It's your first listen of the day. I just want to thank you for doing that. This podcast is brought to you by Sleeper. Back in 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It's honestly, you guys know that you've been listening to this pod. You you know, I, we love basketball. I mean, we talk about basketball every single day of our lives, basically. But I stopped playing fantasy basketball like years ago because of this reason. Because I would go head-to-head against someone and they'd have one of their players play like six games exaggeration my my guy would play like two games in a week i'm like how why am i losing matchups based off this here comes sleeper with your solution it's called game pick owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards the team's total score ensuring an even number of games played between opponents days of losing because your opponent's players simply have more scheduled games to play in that week those days are over those days where you're at work and it's all busy and you're like trying to figure out doing all the math in your head of like who's game like what what team has more games you don't have to figure that out anymore because game pick by sleeper has you covered it's one game per week for each player based on player matchups home versus away opponents defensive ranking pace of play much more all that adds up to more strategy and less busy work download the sleeper app today start a league with your friends today you will not be disappointed start a game pick league today okay this literally just i think a few days ago this pod's coming out on a tuesday i think so i've just read your q a with sterling brown smu guy welcome back to dallas he seems like a blast we got the chance to have him on the pod a little bit on media day he just seems like a great guy you talked about, I want everybody to go read uh, the whole Q&A. You talked about a bunch of like chess at the end, which I'm like, we need him and Bobby to go at each other in chess. I think I would put my money on Sterling. But you you talk about defense in there. And I've heard, I, I can't remember the player who mentioned it on media day, but there was a player who mentioned this, this Xing when it comes to like defensive schemes. And you talked with Sterling a little bit about it. Can you explain to the listener and the Mavs fans what a, a difference in defense could look like this year and what that Xing actually like means. Yeah. So, so let's start with the pick and roll defense that, uh, sorry, that Carlisle mostly used uh, in the past few years with the Mavericks. Um, I would I would describe it mostly as a somewhat passive drop coverage or a, with a lot of switching, like a lot of switching, depending on which players were coming up, what the matchups were, uh, I, I would say Carlisle went to switching more and more often uh, throughout the past decade. Um, and obviously it's, it's, it's impossible to sum up a single, you know, his, his de- defensive identity over a decade in, in a single yeah. thing. But I would say over the past five years, those have more or less been the main defensive schemes. You, you know, you would see some, uh, some high trapping mixed in there, but it was always like a, you know, one out of 15 possessions we're going to try and see if we can disrupt people, um, you know? And, and so that all has, I mean, I think even though switching feels aggressive, like, like, okay, we're, we're going to, you know, be so proactive with our defense that we're going to put our guard on the center. That's, that's how much we don't want to get like, you know, caught two players guarding one player in, in a, in a wide open guy rolling to the rim. Um, I think in a lot of ways, switching is very passive and it's basically saying, I'm not even going to try to fight through a screen. I'm not even going to try to stay connected to the hip of my defender as I'm wheeling around a, an off-ball screen on the weak side of the floor. 
it is fairly passive. Now, there's a lot of value to it, of course, and every every team in the NBA switches frequently and often, and they have certain scenarios and instances where they know that's the plan, and that's the you know they have triggers that that you know automatically lead to switches. But I think we're going to see a lot more, um, or at least a decent amount more of uh, Mavericks fighting over picks. Um, Mavericks, you know, the big man, uh, if he's not stepping all the way to the screening action, he's going to be closer. It's going to be more active. I think we're going to see weak side players um, taking a step in, not necessarily committing fully to a, you know, to say double teaming. So let's say the, the pick and roll ball, ball handler comes off the screen going downhill. You're going to see a, a weak side guy, or I guess on the, in that instance, that's going to be the strong side guy. And he's yeah. going to take a big step towards the player and then recover. And the idea is, is just to hamper and just to, to disorientate and, and, you know, just slow up the offensive player just a little bit. So I am not a, a pick and roll uh, defensive scheme expert. Um, I've tried to learn as much as I can, and I can still not tell you for the life of me the slight nuances that exist between nexting, which is a very European-based uh, scheme that's slowly making its way over here or um you know there's there's another scheme that i i i would i i talked to trey burke about it he's the he's mm-hmm. the one who i heard the term xing for weirdly enough um and and he was describing it that sometimes the weak side uh defender you know the guy in, in the corner you know there's a strong side pick and roll and there's a weak side defender in the corner um, that person will come up and tag the roll man, which is basically just put a forearm into them, body them, make sure that pass isn't open as the main players in the pick and roll are recovering. Um, but what he's saying is that sometimes the 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 big man in the in the main pick and roll action uh, will actually sprint out to the corner, and the weak side tagger will stick to the roll man. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, I explained all of that in in somewhat uh, legible terms. Uh, but I think I think we're going to see a mix of quite a few things like that. You know, we've always known that kid is, you know, he's I would say what he's most known for strategically is aggressive defending. Um, is that fair? Like that's what he's no, yeah. what he was known for in Milwaukee, right? Yeah, and and even when you look at you know that that Jazz preseason game, I feel like you've seen a little bit. And this is I was going to tack on to my question to you here of saying, are we going to see this Mavericks team just give up a ton of threes because of this? You know that there was a point in that Jazz game that you know Jazz had twenty three point attempts and you know Dallas I think had four or it was like eighteen to four or something like that. Will this new scheme basically mean hey we're just going to dare you some games depending on the matchup to just take some threes because we're going to be recovering so fast and our bigs are going to be trying to get out there. I get that Moses Brown started that game. He's not the quickest as far as closing out, but is that what we could see Dallas this year defensively just giving accepting that hey we're probably going to give up a lot of threes. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair concern, or maybe not even concern. It's it's let's keep an eye on this. Like that, let's let's look at um, what type of shots are being given up. And when I say type, I don't even mean you know like the quality or the openness. Are they giving up threes? Or are they giving up shots at the rim? Are they successful and you know pushing the the shots of opponents? Uh, is it mostly going to be the ball handler, or is a lot of the time it's going to be you know, the role man creating something. Uh, are they going to be giving up shots more out of pick and roll? Um, are they going to be giving up spot up shots? You know, one danger is that if, if you're defending more aggressively and you have defenders stepping to and then recovering, 
um, in effort to you know slow down the main action, the main pick and roll on the court. Um, if you step and don't quite get back in time, like a quick shooter, um, a good shooter with a quick release, they're going to be able to get that shot off in the time that somebody stepped in, tried to recover, you know, like the ball always moves faster yeah. than a man can. Uh, you know, that's, that's the old basketball uh, adage. So I think that is uh, probably one of the more pertinent things to watch defensively. And then just more generally that as we see Jason's more aggressive schemes, at least somewhat more aggressive, um, you know, I think that's where we're going to see his influence as a head coach way more than on the offensive end, which um, even even if he has some different ideas, some some, you know, side out of bounds and, and things like that. I think that Luca knows that, you know, he knows how he wants to play and he knows how this offense can be successful. And, you know, it, it, kids influence, I don't think is as significant as as Luca's on on what the Mavs offense is going to look like, quite frankly. And so where I'm really looking at kid and and what you know, how the Mavericks play differently under him is going to be defensively. Yeah, and I want to see exactly how how far are they going to lean into the KP stuff as far as where, you know, you ask, I think it was right after the very first game, possibly first game, maybe the second game, um, where you were one of the first people to ask, like, hey, basically how, like, committed are you of getting Porzingis those touches in the post? And it felt like they were so adamant of getting him those touches. And I question for you is how – are you confident in any lane for Porzingis this season? Because like yesterday we did this whole like buying stock slash shares into certain Mavericks and who we think is going to overform, whatever. KP was a stay away for me because I just don't, I'm not so confident in like what direction he will go offensively. How will he move? I feel like he's moving a lot better these first few games of the preseason, but are you, are you confident in like how you feel that KP will play this year? I mean, even going back to New York, he was he was not a, as good creating shots, or he he was certainly not good enough to sustain an offense. He mm-hmm. was the best player they had, and it was something they went to. I, th- I think they were okay defensively, but you know they weren't great teams with uh, with Chris Stubbs there. And the basketball moves on, like it moves quickly. Or you know the idea of an offense playing the way it did when Porzingis was in New York is already foreign. Um, it was growing out of favor uh, when when Porzingis was in New York. But the idea that you're going to throw the ball to a big man in the post applies to two players, three, let's say three and uh, three or four. So Towns, Embiid, Jokic, which kind of counts, but, you know, certainly maybe, he's a good post scorer. But, but yeah, and then the Davis was the last one I had in mind. And those are those are players that are, you know, they generate shots at the rim from their post-ups and they generate shots for teammates from those post-ups. And mm-hmm. even if Porzingis increases his, his, his numbers and, you know, if his range, you know, if, if he's hitting 44% in the 10 to 16 range, um, you know, which is ideally where you want someone getting the ball in a post-up, um, you know, like certainly not any further out than that. And if you can get, get it to them in like, you know, 12 feet, 14 feet, that's where Dirk lived. But Dirk was way higher than 44%, and and Chris Tubbs has been under 40% both of his years in Dallas and really not much higher over his career, even if you include his, his uh, New York numbers. And so I, I just I, there's no room in this offense. This offense is too good. Luke is too good. There's no room in this offense for a consistent diet of 10 mid-range jumpers a game at about a 44% clip, 
um, which again is not even a number that that Porzingis has proven he can do in Dallas, especially if he's not sometimes also generating shots at the rim or generating you know really good looks for teammates. Um, you know he's only going to make a simple one read. He's he's for the most part uh, he's not going to be Jokic or <laughs> he's not even going to be you know I, I haven't even seen him make you know kind of those those slip passes to a baseline cutter like Boban does. You know, yeah. that's that's not even something that I've really seen out of Porzingis. So when you factor all that in, yes, I, I want Porzingis shooting mid-rangers in the right settings. But in terms of creating his own shot and consistently, repeatedly, you know, being fed paint touches or, or sorry, post-up touches, it's just it's not going to happen. It's just like it does not it's, it's not something that is fluent in what the NBA is today. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about the rest of the roster. And I got to get Tim's thoughts on what's that final roster move going to be to get the roster intact for the regular season at the beginning of our first break i thank a lot of you guys for making locked on maps your first listen of the day now if we're your first listen of the day we have your second listen of the day covered if you're like me i listen to uh one podcast or a couple different podcasts i'm way to work and then i'm like man i need a podcast to listen on my way home from work is that's your second listen of the day we have a whole network literally whatever team you're a fan of outside of the mavs whether, you know, fantasy basketball, you want to do some playoff baseball, whatever team it is that you follow outside of the Mavs, we have you covered on this network. Find a second listen with the Lockdown Podcast Network. This pod is brought to you by BetOnline AG. These are some of our friends. That's the place you want to be. I make this rhyme uh, every single time. It's the NFL season. Right now, I'm recording this. This shows my dedication to this podcast. I'm recording this near halftime of the Ravens game, okay? So the Ravens game is behind me. Uh, see all the odds for this Ravens-Colts game. The Ravens better pull this out. But Bet Online AG, it has all your odds, all your latest things for an NFL, NBA, all these, every sport you can imagine. Get all the updated odds, props, contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survival contest that's open Probably it's not, probably not open anymore, but you know what? If you can hop in on that, hop in on that. Head to the website to or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 100% welcome bonus from football, basketball, boxing. Ride it to your favorite Vegas casinos like Ball Volgaris. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for your 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. Promo code, here's the key point, promo code locked on. Okay, before we talk about the very end of the roster, I just want to throw this out real quick. Goran Dragic, should Mavs fans just write this off and be like, hey, that was a fun you know, few weeks of us dreaming? Fans in Slovenia, are they like the dream pipe dreams gone? Or is it more of like, hey, keep it in your back pocket? Where, where are we at on that, if anything? Well, the idea that I think fans may feel like that right now, that that it's kind of over, is just because we don't have updates, right? Yeah. It's That's it's true. been like a month. Yeah. And obviously he, he posted more a updates. picture of like all the Raptor stuff on his, you know, on his bed. And it's like, oh no, it's really happening. And now, you know, he's obviously been playing for him and stuff. So it it seems like I guess Toronto, I mean, I haven't heard anything, I haven't read anything else, you know, since really then. It seems like they're going to hold on to him for now. Right, right, right. But I think once we got to mid to late August, it seemed pretty clear that he wasn't going to be coming to Dallas before the season started, at least to me. Um, and and once that happened, once we've reached that point, it 
kind of seemed inevitable that we would reach a holding pattern like we have. And, you know, I think the Mavericks still are definitely have interest in him for, you know, the right uh, price. Um, but also like, let's see how the team looks like, let's see how Drogic looks in Toronto. Like yeah. is, is Drogic looking healthy and capable enough in the minutes he gets for the Raptors that he looks like he would obviously fill a hole that exists with the Mavericks um and you know is is that how much does that hole exist you know mm -hmm. i think pretty clearly it does pretty clearly they're very light on shot creation but you know at this point there's no reason to do a deal a, a lot of it you know i think a lot of the negotiating and in for anything to change on the bargaining table so to say uh between toronto and and, and dallas it's it's going to come from on-court results and if dallas realizes that you know, this lack of shot creation is even more of an issue and, and something that's affecting them worse than they thought in the regular season. Look, at that point, I would say they're more incentivized to to be more willing to give up a prospect or, or you know, offer more than they had previously and vice versa for Toronto. Um, you know, what if Drogic continues this um, a, a sort of decline that he's he's slowly been on the, the past season or two? Um, or what if they start losing a lot more games than they expect and, mm. you know, getting any, any level of value back for him is more valuable than hanging on to him. Like at this point, it's, it's all about the variables changing. And so I, I am not very, very confident that Dragic will end up in Dallas, but I do think that um, just the way this negotiation has gone, the way most negotiations go um, because they're at an impasse and because it doesn't seem like there's, you know, any sort of bidding war or obvious other suitors or even teams that Dragic, you know, really is trying to go play for. At this point, it does make the most sense that that we're in a situation where you just kind of wait for the regular season and you, and you see if anything changes. So keeping on the whole like guards uh, coming off the bench, Frank Nelikina, Trey Burke, Tyrell Terry is away from the team right now. How do you like I feel like a lot of those guys have been the <clears throat> all last roster spot type of conversation. You mentioned the other day this one I've kind of like been thinking about I'm like man is are we sure Moses is not like the casualty of of the roster in this what where do you think yeah that last roster spot how does it happen who do you think it is to make the roster complete going into the regular season? Yeah, I still think it's I still think it's very possible that it's Moses Brown. I don't I don't have percentages to put on it by any means, but I think I think it's between Brown and uh and Trey Burke at this point. And Burke just comes down to, you know, how much Cuban really wants to, you know, hold on to his his ideals, his his wish for a hundred percent vaccinated roster. Um, you know, certainly we've seen his tweets. I, I think that if money wasn't uh, an issue in the scenario would very clearly be Burke. Um, you know, I think you and me probably both agree. He is by far the most expendable player on the Mavericks in terms of, yeah. you know, they just have players like him, you know, they don't need a player like him because they have people who can do that. But I mean, I guess on the flip side that, you know, if, if he, if he's even slightly better this season, you know, they're missing a shot creation. And so, you know, Burke theoretically can provide that, although really didn't for pretty much all of last season, but <laughs> It's, uh, you know, I, I think that there is a bit of value having him on the roster, but I, I don't know that it's, I, I don't know that there's a really a role for him. Um, Do you think Nilakina is a lock though? Because I, I'm here. I have a little tent on, on Nilakina Island right now. It, it's, it's hard to believe that they would give him guaranteed money and then 
and then cut him. But not, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, I think that it's possible. I mean, he's, he's had a weird, he's had a weird uh, past couple of weeks, right? Um, yeah. Well, I didn't not. know that. I didn't know he was gone for visa stuff until right. I saw your, I don't Okay. Explain this for people in, inside the athletic app. It's not your tweets, but it's like updates from you inside the app, right? Yeah. We call it short form. And okay. Cause I'll go to that to get, get updates it, from you, but it's not like, but it's not on your Twitter feed either. And it was right. inside the app of your updates that you're like, Hey, he was gone. And I didn't know that that's why he was gone. I, I, I just thought he was just gone for whatever reason. So I guess he was gone yeah, for. Yeah. Lisa? Yeah. Yeah. I, I also, you, know, when I heard that I was also uh, confused or surprised and I haven't asked anybody else about it. I mean, it seems both resolved and not actually that interesting. Um, oh. Although I guess I'm right here saying that I'm kind of interested in hearing the whole story <laughs> on it. So maybe I, maybe I should ask her. But, but yeah, I mean, he, he was away from the team. So he's, he's only kind of recently joined and is available and you know, should be playing in more games now and, you know, practicing and, and all of the above. And when you factor all of that in, you know, was his chance to make the roster um, was the only way that you're going to get him to sign without being guaranteed to make the roster was with some guaranteed money that you were basically, you know, gifting to him. We've actually seen the Mavericks do something like that a couple of times before, mm-hmm. uh, where they where they sign people to guaranteed money, even with the understanding that they're they're eventually going to re- waive them. Um, but that was more for G League situation. Players that they really wanted on their G League roster, where they gave them basically just a nice little bonus of guaranteed money uh, to come sign with their training camp. Because if you get cut as a training camp player, um, you're the, that franchise's G League team has has first rights to you. Um, I don't think that's the situation whatsoever. Uh, the indications I've seen is that Nilakina will make the roster. I think that I would be supportive of that. It, it seems like he offers something a bit different uh, deep on the bench, even if he's not in the in the rotation on an everyday basis. And I would be very surprised if he was. But I, I guess, like, yeah, you've talked me into it, or, or kind of, I've we've we've both talked myself into it um as i've kind of like walked through this i i I do think it's still possible that it's frank but i i would i would i would have to guess it's it's trey if 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 you made me if you made me guess between those three um followed by moses as the next most likely option and and frank as a third and and speaking of trey we've seen different reports about them entertaining the trade market because he is due what three four million dollars and we'll just end it on this. You, you probably, I, don't, I haven't seen you write anything, report on this, but do you have any other Mavs open into question? Mavs, bigger storylines, trade rumors, anything you want to throw out there about the Mavs that you've heard around the league or anything? It could be, hey, they're looking at Trey Burke stuff around the league, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, th- just thinking about like some of the trade rumors going around, like you know, with with Burke being rumored, I, I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to swap. Um, Burke with uh, with Simmons, and so that's Bill. The, the ben, that's that's the Ben Simmons destination. He's coming to <laughs> Dallas. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, not not really off the, off the top of my head, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that uh, in terms of storylines, like what am I focusing on right now? Uh, all of it is internal in, in what it looks like on the court, and that's mm. specifically what what uh, kids' defense looks like, what Porzingis looks like. Um, really mostly with his mobility and you know if he if he adds a little bit offensively or or is a bit more efficient you know certainly that's a good thing um from a mavericks perspective but 
uh, I think those are those are my two core themes that I'm going through. I'll, I'll toss one more to you, and, and, and I know we're closing on this, but I, I wrote in the piece you referenced, um, you know, just kind of the training camp observations. I do think it's interesting that Dwight Powell was uh, named the starter, was named the starter very early, mm-hmm. um, and that at one point when Kidd was asked about it, um, he talked about going to the Man, I forget the word. Uh, committee, like essentially. The, the council or committee. Yeah, the something council, like that. Uh, yeah, I forget the exact word. It, it might have been council. And, and, and the point is not that that is by any means a bad thing. I, I think it's important for teams to have continuity. But as we think about the Mavericks and as we look at how dramatic, you know, they did revamp some major uh, names and major figures in their team, I still think the Mavericks... Uh, you know, by and large, are going to make decisions pretty similarly to the, what they did in the past, whether that's on court coaching or team building decisions or priorities, or even just the type of players they go after. Um, as of now, pretty much the entire front office outside of Donnie is still intact. Um, I, I think almost to a man, you know, I, I've seen a couple additions. I can't think of anybody who's left and, and Cuban's still the owner. And so even though the coaching staff is, pretty much completely different um, player development coaches are still around in terms of God Sham God and Daryl Armstrong, but you know, the, the coaches that make the game plans and stuff, kid has had free reign to, you know, hire all the dudes that he wanted. Um, although I would be interested to see whether Igor was someone that uh, kid latched onto or targeted or whether that came from elsewhere. I think mm-hmm. that would be a great question. I would I would love to know an answer to, and probably won't get an answer on. <laughs> I was gonna say the real um, answer, or uh... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But but yeah, uh, the the point the point I made in the story and, and I'm making here is that there is a lot of institutional knowledge within the Mavericks, um, and there are a lot of people who have influence on decisions who are still here on the team, um, who are still here impacting the decisions that are made, and I swear i am not weighing in one side or the other on whether that's good or bad i I really don't mean it to sound like just like but it's but it's interesting but it's interesting it's because when you know when the when the bob stuff you know happened or it became like public you know i I thought it was very telling that uh, i think mark had told uh, brad that that was nico's decision you know and, and it was like a hey like he made that decision type of thing. And because that's one of the bigger questions we've all had this offseason with the whole shakeup of who's actually making the decisions. Is it a group of people? Is it, hey, Nico's running everything, but it's really Mark? Or who is it? And just I thought that nugget was very good that you were very interesting that you put it in there of he kind of it wasn't just a kid decision on starting pal. He went to this knights at the round table type of thing and like and they collectively decided on Dwight Powell and that that that's fascinating to me to be a fly in the wall in the at that round table would be fun uh it would be some word it would certainly be an adjective I don't know if I personally would describe it as fun um but will you ever be invited to that table (laughs) I don't think so I don't think that's where my uh don't think that's where my future's headed. Um, but <laughs> okay, it did. Okay, Tim, man, thank you so much for hopping on. Obviously, go listen to Tim on Seventy Seven Minutes in Heaven podcast at the Athletic. You're following him on Twitter if you're a Mavs fan. Read his Q and A with Sterling Brown, New Maverick, 
not new to Dallas, but newer Maverick and a lot of, he gave you a lot of really like long, good answers. It wasn't just, you know, sometimes Q and A's are just, yeah, man, uh, excited to fight and compete this season. And no, like they were actually like really good answers. And um, yeah, I was, I thought it was really good. Go read his observations from camp. I'm sure you're working on something, a, a story right now that many we'll all be waiting. Many, so. many somethings. He's back and at it. It's Tim Cato. Good fun the- stuff, I promise. So vibes, <laughs> yes. vibes are good. Vibes are good. Vibes are immaculate. <laughs>